Welcome. You are listening to the Power Hour here at CJLO, 1690 AM in Montreal. My name is William Power. I'm with Dominic Demister. And then there were four. We got our AFC and NFC Championship game set Sunday. Oh, man, I'm excited. We got four games to recap. We got a crazy slate of games that happened this past weekend. Really incredible thing about it. There's only three more games left in the NFL, Dominic. I'm happy because uh, we're going to get to the Super Bowl, but I'm sad at the same time because the NFL is slowly winding down. Yeah, William, the NFL season is almost over. Four teams remaining, KC, Baltimore, Detroit, and San Fran. It's about to get crazy, William. I can't wait to get started, so let's do that and let's get started. Let's jump into it right away, Dom. All right, we had the Houston Texans, the Baltimore Ravens. They kicked off our weekend on Saturday. A pretty interesting game going into halftime. It was 10-10, and uh, Baltimore's defense was playing as as good as advertised. It was a punt touchdown, actually, a big punt return that got the uh, things kick-started for the Houston Texans. Well, not necessarily started because in the second half, they just couldn't find their groove. Baltimore Ravens defense was swarming. Um, I, I give more credit here to the Baltimore Ravens and that defense and how, with how well Lamar played. Um, then, then I'll have to say that I'm going to, um, you know, crap on the Houston Texans because look, Texans had a great year. Uh, they really did surprise uh, many, many of us. A lot of people said, look, this team is going to be one of the bottom feeders in the NFL. They weren't. I actually predicted Houston Texans to win this game. I went bold. Uh, they didn't. They didn't do so. Yeah, things just didn't look as as easy excuse me, as they usually are for C.J. Stroud. Um, but look, credit to him. Credit to that team because they did definitely exceed expectations. Tomiko Ryan in contention for Coach of the Year. My guess is he probably will win it. But for Baltimore, Dom, they continued their historic season. Uh, a lot of Lamar running, passing, and, uh, you know, it's uh, flowers. Whenever he needs a big play, is definitely Lamar's partner in crime. And, um yeah, they, unfortunately for Texans, the Ravens were definitely no match for them. And yeah, Baltimore gets to continue on their season. And just we think this team can't look any better, Dominic. They uh, they proved you wrong week in and week out. And uh, they're looking like they have a chance to go to the Super Bowl. Big victory by the Baltimore Ravens, 34-10 to 10 against Houston. The Cinderella story for C.J. Stroud runs out here in Baltimore. What a great season this guy has had as a rookie. I thought, uh, personally... He might win Rookie of the Year. I personally would give it to Puka, but, you know, maybe I'm biased there. I really thought that Puka had an outstanding season, but it's going to go to C.J. Stroud, and we haven't seen a quarterback this good enter the league in a while. It'll be interesting to see whether or not this is not a one-hit wonder, and uh, next year whether or not he can maintain the level of skill that he displayed this year. I think he will. I think the rapport that he had with Nico Collins down the stretch Definitely opened up a lot of eyes for a lot of people in the NFL. And you also have Tank Dell that unfortunately got hurt. Had yeah. both those guys been there together the entire season, who knows what would have happened for the Houston Texans. But as for the Baltimore Ravens, wow, this team, you know, had a week off. Didn't really know how they were going to respond. Kind of started a little bit slow, I would say. 10-10 at halftime. But wow, when you have Lamar Jackson on your team, the sky's the limit. I mean, he went 16 for 22, 152 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. That was the, the most important stat, no picks. And uh, then he starts running with the ball, 11 carries for 100 yards, averaging 9.1 yard a carry. This is an all-star. This is his chance. Will it be this year? 
I'm not sure, but right now we got to admit that the Baltimore Ravens are definitely feeling it. They beat already San Fran down the stretch. They're not scared of whoever is going to be representing the NFC. Their, their eyes are definitely on the Super Bowl, and I think if they don't win it, they'll be extremely disappointed. Next week, we're going to see Mark Andrews come into the fold. You know, we all know what Mark Andrews can do in the red zone. It'll be interesting to see what he does to this offense. But right now, 34-10, William, what are your thoughts? Do you like Baltimore moving forward? We might wait for the end of the show for that, but what are your thoughts quickly on the Baltimore Ravens and their ability to just dismantle the Houston Texans, especially in the second half? Well, yeah, I'm glad you asked because you, you brought up a good point there, Dom, about the slow start for the Ravens. They did start off slowly, and it was a lot of uh, Lamar kind of um, not being seeming to be on the same page with his receivers, like him kind of giving them like, okay, you know, you're supposed to do that. And a lot of his hand signals, right, of like, you're supposed to cut it this way or cut it that way. There seemed to be a little bit of confusion. And that has been been kind of the Achilles heel for the Ravens when they get into the playoffs, right, is it's kind of, I don't want to see teams figure out Lamar, but the inability to kind of execute an offense for the Ravens. Um, and we saw that early in this first half, and I said, oh, wow, like, I was looking, you know, pretty forward to it to the end of this game because I thought my my pick could come to fruition of the Texans winning. Um, so I'm not overly concerned, but I will say this, that if they start off as slowly as they did this past weekend, there's no chance to beat Kansas City. I know the game's in Baltimore. I know Baltimore is the one seed. And I know Baltimore's, from top to bottom, probably um, the best team in the NFL. But if this team even takes one quarter to get into this football game, the game's over. You cannot afford against Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and, you know, the way that Chiefs have been playing right now and, and Andy Reid, they will not be able to, to do so and win the football game. So not overly concerned, uh, but because they had to play the Houston Texans, right? If they played a better team, who knows what would have happened, right? Who knows if they were playing Buffalo or Kansas City last week, if they would have won with that start. So something to monitor. Not concerned yet, but, uh, but this is definitely something to keep in mind, though, when playing Kansas City next weekend. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Baltimore likes to take the lead on opponents and then just destroy them with their, a lot of blitzes via defense. Uh, obviously, if they have an early lead, they lean on that a lot. And in this game, at halftime, I'm like, you never know. Houston yeah. can maybe pull this off. But no, no, definitely. It seemed like the tide was already turning right before halftime. And by the time halftime hit, it was all Baltimore. I don't know, William. I think you're right. I think that uh, John Harbaugh is a great coach. He's obviously going to be go coaching against another one, Andy Reid. So you could take that out of the equation. We'll be interested when we talk about uh, maybe the game plans and what to expect uh, on the third take of our show to see where our picks may lie. But right now, Baltimore, I agree with you. They do have to be concerned with a slow start, especially against Kansas City. Yeah, no, that's it. And I know, like, look, things are aligning for it to be a San Francisco, uh, Baltimore Ravens Super Bowl. But, you know, I think that uh, there's going to be a lot of things that Baltimore needs to, not necessarily a lot of things, but needs to kind of uh, polish off. And so does Kansas City, right? Like, that's obviously a game that we'll get into. They haven't looked perfect either. But, like, at the end of the day, no team is going to be perfect, right? It's, it's just who, how good have you been lately, right? And there's always a few mistakes and it's which teams can capitalize off them. And, I know Kansas City will capitalize on Baltimore's mistakes, and Baltimore will definitely do the reverse. So we'll see what happens in that game. And like you said, we'll be giving our picks later on. How about the Green Bay Packers and San Francisco 49ers? Man, oh man, was this an incredible football game. We had really, uh, of all the games this weekend, the one that wasn't close was uh, was the, the game that we just talked about there, Baltimore and Houston. Other than that, all three games were real nail-biters down the stretch. Um when Aaron Jones broke off that big run late in the fourth quarter off a nice pitch play, 
I don't want to say I thought this game was over, but I was I was worried for the 49ers. And if you would have asked me that second who I thought was going to win the football game, I would have said Green Bay. Um, and I know, like, it's at that point, I think there was, like, eight minutes left in the game. And Green Bay, unfortunately, oh, the, the kicker missed. And then you have the floor after the game saying, when he goes out there, I just pray, which, you know, was, was funny. But at the same time, it's a little bit ridiculous to say that. Why not go out there and get a kicker you believe in if that's actually what you do when you have a, when a kicker gets sent out there? Anyways, we'll talk about that later, but... The Packers let this game slip out of their hands. And I was really surprised to see it this competitive, this late in the game. I didn't think it was going to be a blow by any stretch of the imagination. But eventually, I thought the 49ers were going to pull away. And they just didn't. And it was a credit to their their the Packers' defense. Unfortunately, they did drop a few interceptions. But like that's because they were getting good pressure on Purdy. And Purdy didn't look all that comfortable. And shout out to Aaron Jones, who he really picked up at the later part of the season. Uh, Jordan Love having a good game. Unfortunately, that last interception was the dagger. And I just think that that's a rookie mistake, right? He obviously is not quote unquote a rookie, but it's his first season really having the the keys to the car. Uh, and he was just trying to be a hero, right? In that situation, you know, you got to you throw it out of bounds. Or, or take the sack, right? There's just, you just kind of, the ball is precious in that situation and uh, he took an unnecessary risk. But look, you look at it from Sam Prime's point of view, Brody didn't have a great game and uh, he he seemed exposed at times, but he clutched up when it mattered, right? Say all you want about Purdy and about, you know, this team being um, very good in spite of Purdy, uh, just because of all the weapons they have on offense and defense. And the defense didn't look all that good early parts in this game. Packers are running down their throat. But look, Purdy, like I said, he was the man when they needed to be, right? They were down by four, he goes down late, and they end up scoring a touchdown. He looked calm as a cucumber on that drive. Not throughout the course of the game. No, he didn't. But when, you know, it was push come to shove, kind of that it wasn't a two-minute drill, but basically the clutch time, uh, he showed he had ice in his veins. And look, they're going to be playing a tough Lions team coming up this weekend. And again, I think that they're going to have to limit the mistakes if they want to beat Detroit because Detroit's looking good. But this was a fun game. I'm a much, much better game than I expected. Uh, you know, it was tough to see the Packers have to lose because their their run was uh, their run was was a fun one, but this 49ers made the NFC Championship game, which uh, I think that the majority of us thought that they would in, you know, exciting fashion. A hundred percent. I mean, the Green Bay Packers, nine and eight, you know, playing with house money, yeah. almost pull off a huge upset against the San Francisco 49ers. I mean, I think Green Bay was by far the most unexpected team, in my opinion, to be this far in the NFL playoffs this year. I think at the beginning of the season, I don't know if a lot of people would have picked the Packers to go this far. I yeah. thought that Jordan Love right now, we talked about it, how midway through the season, he picked up the torch and became the franchise QB for the Green Bay Packers. And I also think Matt LaFleur right now is definitely in the top 10 coaches in the NFL conversation. I think that duo between LaFleur and Jordan Love is one that we're going to be seeing for quite a while. I believe that the wide receivers that we've seen on this team right now are just blossoming exactly how they should. And big things are to come if I'm a Green Bay backer, Packers fan. I, I really don't mind whether or not that Jordan Love threw that pick and how he did it at, at the end. You know, he went for it. A lot of yeah. people would have gone for it. I'd rather a guy who goes for it than at the end of the day doesn't and he just gets socked. So I appreciate the uh, the very difficult throw. But again, this is a learning experience for everybody, including Jordan Love. So I believe that he will bounce back and the Packers are going to be here in the mainstay of the playoffs for at least five years. Yeah, I'll be that bold. That's how big I'm on the Packers uh, moving forward. They've built everything they need to be successful. You talked about Aaron Jones. 
where did he drink from the fountain of youth? It's like he was, it was his rookie season running yeah. San Fran. I've never seen Aaron Jones run, run so fast. So that's a huge uplift to the running game that next year when Jordan Love is even that more, much more comfortable in the offense, big things are happening for Green Bay. As for San Francisco, I mean, you talked about it, William, Brock Purdy. Ugh, Brock Purdy he looked a bit <laughs> odd sometimes. But, you know, it's, it is the last pick of last year's draft. We can't expect too much. But now we've been so comfortable to see him run this offense, finishing 12-5 and five for the San Francisco 49ers right now. You know, big things are, are to be expected out of the San Francisco, and that falls on Brock Purdy shoulders and whether or not he can live up to those expectations. I think we're going to see throughout the journey of this playoff run. If he didn't have Christian McCaffrey, I think that the Green Bay Packers were going to take this game. But Christian McCaffrey, 17 carries, 98 yards, and two huge TDs. When you think this guy is down on the ground, his legs keep moving. It's unbelievable yeah. to see this guy is just a motor mouse. This guy just you can't stop him at times. And that's why he is the number one back in the NFL. And his partner in crime, George Kittle, you know, four receptions, 81 yards and one TD. But, you know, clear, important receptions at the right time to even give Brock Purdy a chance. That's George Kittle's ability to buy time and get into the right open slots for Brock Purdy to find him. I thought this was an amazing game for San Francisco for the, for the way that they won. And they stuck in the game. They stuck with their game plan because it was a nail biter. They could have easily lost this game, but the fortitude of their coaching staff prevailed. They took this game 24 to 21 and are moving on. Yeah. A lot of great stuff there said. And I think that Aaron Jones uh, really turned it around late in the, in the season. And look, I think that you've come playoff time. That's why I say when I was watching the bills and, and, and the chiefs game too, is it's really going to come down to how teams perform in the red zone. Right. And, you know, there was key situations there where the Packers settled for field goals, right. And field goal attempts, not even necessarily field goal makes. And that's the difference, right. Cause you've got to be able to punch it in the end zone. You know, getting three is great. Right. Especially say you're winning the game. You want to tack onto a lead. I get that. But you know, when it comes down to all these teams now, you're playing the top eight teams in the NFL, right? And you're not going to win on field goals. It's, you know, it's simple. We've heard it before. You may be a bad team on field goals, but right now there's no bad teams in the NFL. And I think that we just saw the ability for the Kent, the uh, Green Bay Packers uh, to move the ball down the field, but uh, unfortunately the inability to, to kind of punch in when it mattered. And then San Francisco did the exact opposite by getting that touchdown late in the game. Mind you, they didn't need a touchdown because they were down by four. But it's really, you know, in the red zone where, where things are, are won and lost, you know, when you have a back like McCaffrey, he just makes it so much easier. And I think Slippery is the, the way I would kind of uh, describe him because, like, he, he's got these strong legs. And, yeah, he could kind of carry a guy for two to three yards. But he just – I've never really – I can't really remember last time I saw a running back that takes a certain amount of people to bring him down. Is he'll never, never go down by the first hit. Um and then even if he does, he's probably going to stumble forward for an extra three to four yards. So, look, I think it's great that Purdy has these security blankets, like you mentioned, Kittle and um, obviously McCaffrey. We're going to see what happens with Debo. Hopefully Debo's going to play in this game because when uh, the game upcoming weekend, when he got hurt against the, uh, you know, in this football game, you saw the tight turn. So he's listed as day-to-day, -day, so hopefully Debo could come back. That'll be huge and, and key to monitor. But the San Francisco team is is definitely uh, stacked from top to bottom. And, you know, Purdy's just going to have to play his game. And that uh, he's a confident guy, so I'm not too worried about him. But, again, you're going to play a tough team in the Lions, so hopefully they're able to, to kind of polish off those mistakes uh, come uh, come championship weekend.
So, Don, let me throw it over to you first. You give me your initial takes. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Detroit Lions, bit of a slow starting game for both teams. And the offense really picked up in that fourth quarter, a total of 20 combined points. 31 to 23 was the final score. The Detroit Lions, Dom, they continued their miraculous season. Uh, the Cinderella, Disney, whatever you want to call it, story continues there for uh, for Detroit. The fans were going nuts. Back-to-back playoff wins, back-to-back at home. Man, is it ever a feel-good story for those Lions. And they are, honestly, really exciting game here. Uh, I thought it was over at 31-17. Tampa Bay inched their way back, got a, t- a touchdown, didn't get the two points. But uh, then they got the ball back. And, you know, unfortunately, with that with that interception there, Detroit was able to, to see that off. But yeah, let's get, let's get your takes on what was a great game, Dominic, in Detroit. Great game in Detroit. They take it 31-23 against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Let's start talking about Tampa Bay. Well, you know, they won their division. It was a hard-fought battle. A lot of people had the Saints, but Tampa Bay came up. And from the very get-go of the season, they said to take them take Tampa Bay seriously, especially on defense. And they honestly shocked the world by defeating the Philadelphia Eagles. I think they made a huge service to a lot of teams in in the NFC. So someone's got to win this game. Tampa Bay, unfortunately, came up short. But Baker Mayfield, 26 for 41, 349 yards, three TDs and two picks. I'm going to say that Baker Mayfield probably got himself a three-year contract to be the next Tampa Bay Buccaneers coach. I think that that's what he deserves. However, all that being said, They need to give the same thing to Mike Evans. I know that it's going to be very hard to sign Mike Evans because at the end of the day, he's getting old. But there's this combo between Baker and Mike that just needs to stay intact. If if they don't want to sign Mike Evans, let Baker Mayfield go because I think someone could easily pick up this combo and be extremely successful. There's a great rapport there. You never want to lose that. And I think Baker knows that. And when you have a, such a solid defense in Tampa Bay, you do need a kind of like a one-two punch. And Rashard White, he had a pretty decent season, even though, you know, I think he got a give or take close to a thousand yards. Uh, I think that he is able to turn the, the clock just enough to keep low scoring games happening in Tampa Bay as they have a strong D. And then you just hit a couple play action passes in a, in a game here and there and Tampa Bay could very well on a week on a weekly basis would on any given Sunday and on a yearly basis consistently make the playoffs with this strategy. So it'll be interested what Todd Bowles wants to do, but if they bring Baker expect for more playoff runs in that division. As for the Detroit Lions, you know, Jared Goff finally slowly but surely getting his monkey off his back. He's getting obviously a lot more experience you know he's made it to the Super Bowl yes but eh, we're always wondering what Jerry Goff are we going to get on a weekly basis I think there's a bit more consistency with Jerry Goff's game and consistency brings victories and why not when you got a guy like Jameer Gibbs going nine carries 74 yards eight for two yards a carry and one TD his running game as a rookie I mean Detroit destroyed this draft right they picked up Jameer Gibbs they picked up Sam Laporta they picked up Branch in the secondary three rookies all starting that's how you win a draft and that's the reason why you're on your way to the NFC playoffs I'm on St. Rain Brown we called him a couple of year a couple of years back we we're like who is this I'm wondering he's saying he's gonna go yeah. take people's jobs man he's taking people's <laughs> jobs look what he's doing right now he's leading his team in receptions eight receptions seven, 77 yards one TD 
This is a lethal combination, William. On defense, might be a little leaky in the secondary, but I'm telling you, William, this is a very strong team. Obviously, it's going to be tough for them to beat San Francisco. We all know that. But against the Buccaneers, man, they just showed up exactly at the right time and had some great, great runs by Jameer Gibbs. This guy's a gazelle, yeah. William. A gazelle. You look at his legs. They go so fast. One Next thing you know, he's gone. And when you got what seems to be uh, a tight end in Sam Laporta, that it looks like this guy's been in the NFL for 10 years. He catches everything. He seems like he's a leader. You know, Campbell's got himself a great team. It's going to be very interesting against San Francisco, but against the Buccaneers, you know, someone's got to win that game. Mike Evan tried to pull it off late, yeah. but it seemed like it was a little late, right? Eight receptions, 147 yards and one TD. Great stats for Mike Evans. But had they started that game plan just a bit more early, I think Tampa Bay would have been able to put some points on the board, but they waited to the fourth quarter. And by that time, you know, it's tough to come back against the Lions when they can send you all these guys via the secondary to, to blitz you, whether it's Brian Branch, whether it's CJ Gardner-Johnson. They have guys at the DB areas that they could just blitz on a constant basis, and they're successful at it. So congratulations to the Detroit Lions. You are going to the NFC Championship to face the San Francisco 49ers, which is surely going to be an amazing game. Oof, yeah, I'm definitely excited for that one. Two great games on this weekend. You know, I think the trend for me uh, this past weekend was obviously you feel bad for teams that end their season that there has to be a loser in certain games. But I felt like all four, even the Texans, that all four teams that lost this weekend really, really played their, you know, arguably their best football. Uh, and it was very similar here to, to Tampa Bay. It was tough to see them lose because, like you said, Evans had an incredible game. Baker Mayfield, yeah, okay. He did have a few throws he'd want back. But for me, it was an incredible interception there. Um the diving, diving play to get that pick that was not necessarily a gimme throw there by Baker Mayfield by any stretch of the imagination, but they didn't give up in this game, right? And they were scrappy, they were clawing their way, and that was kind of the ammo for this team all season long. Was you know they're, they're gonna win necessarily, not necessarily the prettiest games, but they're gonna make it count, right? And you know they would did they have a pretty season? No, they finished nine and eight, but at the end of the day, it was enough to win their division. It was enough to get them in, a, in the playoffs and to get them a playoff win and almost a second one and uh, beating the Detroit Lions. So. My hats off to, you know, all the teams that lost this weekend. Yeah, Tampa Bay. It was tough. I was secretly rooting for them. I said to myself, whoever wins this game, I want them to go and win the Super Bowl because it would be a great story. And, yeah, I kind of feel for, for Baker. But, look, this season is all, is all about the Detroit Lions and, and what they were able to do. And for me, yes, you look at the stats in this game, and the stats for Gibbs aren't going to necessarily wow you. They're great stats, uh, but not like mind-boggling stats. But if you're, you're watching the game – his runs were momentum changers, right? And that's when the crowd got into the game. And that's when he kind of started to pull away, was when, like you said, Gibbs, that gazelle, and everything that he's able to do, he kind of put the team on his back. And it's not to say that other guys didn't have a great game because Goff played great, like you said, Laporta, um, and uh, St. Brown. Man, that that touchdown pass was sexy from Goff to uh, to St. Brown there in the back of the end zone. Just enough touch and a great catch there by, uh, by St. Brown with a defender on him. But, you know, it was really, to me, it was Gibbs' runs, that, uh, that were able to kind of propel this this team uh, kind of uh, over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And, you know, give credit to Tampa Bay. They didn't give up in this game. They came back. But one thing I have to say in this game, though, and I'm not sure if you caught it. So it was 31-23 to 23, like we talked about. Um, and I only realized this, uh, this a little bit later after watching the game is there was time left on the clock uh, in this game for Todd Bowles. Uh, they had, let me tell you exactly, they had 36 seconds left down by eight for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers had a timeout. I believe they got the timeout back because it was a penalty on the play. Uh, so they, they had a timeout. 36 seconds left. And 
fourth down here after they take any of the Detroit Lions and Todd Bowles doesn't call timeout. So at this point, you obviously have a chance to win the game if you're the Bucs, but who, like, who do you blame more? Is it poor manager by Dan Campbell for not realizing that you can't take for, you know, you can't, you can't knee out the clock or is it, you know, kind of more on bulls for throwing the white flag. And, you know, I couldn't believe this. I saw it on Facebook and I said, there's no way. And I went back and I watched into the game and I said, my God, it's true. They had 36 seconds left on the clock, 36 seconds, you know, not even if there was one second left on the clock, you don't, you know, you never, you never throw in the white flag and it would have been like a 50 plus yard field goal. Uh, I'm not sure if you noticed that Dominic, but I was absolutely shocked that Todd Bowles let this time run out for me. I know he had a good year. I know they exceeded expectations. But, you know, this is the season, right? You, you play everything. You have all your practices, all your Monday morning meetings, your Tuesday meetings. Uh, you grind, you do this, that, and the other thing to make it to the Super Bowl. And you're basically literally throwing in the white flag when you have 36 seconds left on your season because you think that the other team is going to get a field goal and it's going to be too late. Even if the Lions did get a field goal, you know, Hail Mary stuff can happen. We've seen stranger things happen. It's football, right? That's, you know, the name of the game is it gets unpredictable. But for me, if I was a Bucks fan, I'd be very disappointed. Even as a football fan, I was because I couldn't believe it, Don, that late in the game with 36 seconds left, Bulls decided not to call the timeout. For me, it was a great year by Bulls and, you know, he was able to get their team to the division. But, it may be bull, but I think it's a fireball offense when you it, it necessarily quit on this team. But, you know, it's tough as a fan, you know, if you're looking at that game and you can say, look, our coach, you know, didn't trust in our team to come back and win the football game when we had a chance. I'm not, uh, and it was late in the game. And like I said, Dom, I had to double take because I couldn't believe it when I saw it. But it's just very surprising to see, Dom. And I was curious to get your thoughts on that and uh, and why Bulls didn't want to call a timeout there and why Dan Campbell didn't, didn't use his, uh, his time more wisely. It's that's the thing, right? One thing set up the other. And I don't exactly. think I don't think that Bulls was on his game with regards to managing the clock properly. And yeah. I, don't think, I think Campbell was just living in uh, the interception. I think both yeah. were yeah. living in that interception, wondering yeah. like, oh, it's such a dejecting moment for, for Todd Bulls. And yeah. Detroit is like, oh, in the exuberancy of the victory, we're going, we're, we might be moving on. Like you said. Chances are they're going to get a field goal, but still mm. you're going to get an onside kick. You play till the end of the game. I agree. I just think it's one thing to set up the other. It's not, I don't make it as much of an issue as you do. Mm-hmm. It's just mm-hmm. an embarrassing moment for the Buccaneers for yeah. not being able to see something so obvious. So uh, yeah. bizarre, probably due to completely a dejected moment where when Baker uh, through a pass where, like you said, it wasn't a bad pass, just a great football no. play. Great football mm. play was made, and everyone's kind of like shell-shocked because the, the yeah. season's over, or quote-unquote over because they're in field goal range, and it was going to be a two-possession game. So it seems to me, like, back in the day, yeah, maybe you'd be more excited because the outs- the onside kick used to be, you know, something that people would be excited about. I think the onside yeah. kick needs to be completely reviewed because you see them so suddenly. I mean, why why even yeah. bother running the play? So that's how I see it. And that's maybe why maybe a lot of NFL coaches might see it the same way because it's not going to be successful. That play, I haven't seen a great comeback victory with onside kicks in I don't know how long. So yeah. that's something to discuss about in the offseason. But all that being said, one thing led to another, leading to a lot of confusion in Tampa Bay, leading to a victory for the Detroit Lions, thirty-one to twenty-three. Yeah, you know, it's, it's you know, I think that's uh, that sums it up very well there, Dom. I know I agree with often what, with what you say, but I think that I would say you know like. Both teams were really in that moment, and and there was the crowd there and everything. And uh, like you said, there was shock, there was uh, there was joy. And like you know, granted, I understand all that. Um, 
I think, you know, as a coach, you know, you get paid the big bucks to, to kind of put, put emotions aside and understand the situation there. So um, I'm just surprised uh, with, you know, how little we, we've kind of heard about it because after the game, it wasn't talked about. It hasn't really been talked about all that much on NFL Network. So, you know, there was, I read a little article there on, uh, just by looking it up, but it wasn't even on NFL.com. So a little bit surprising that it wasn't uh, more, more of a, uh, you know, a big deal than, than people are making it up to be. But look, at the end of the game, end of the day, it was really the Lions uh, NFC Championship game to go to and it really really fun game there so congrats to them and yeah they set up a date with the san francisco 49ers on sunday which will be a great one uh, i don't think that you know many people saw uh, i think people saw san fran you know but maybe not necessarily the lines like i said very beginning of the season is what i'd mentioned against detroit against kansas city i said look detroit it's cute and everything that to say you're getting better and, you know, you have a good coach and you have good players, but now it's time to put up or shut up. And they've been putting up, right? And, you know, I kind of challenged them and, and they've really uh, accepted the challenge and I've done a great job. And, you know, I'm really, really happy for this team and, and Dan Campbell specifically. So really excited to, to preview that game later on. We have one more game to recap, Dom. For me, game of the weekend, it's no matter when these guys play, no matter where they play, no matter what jerseys uh, they're wearing, it's always going to be a great match when you got the Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills. 27-24, uh, the final score in this game. And, you know, Bills fans, if you're listening, block your ears because I got the two most painful words in Buffalo Bills history, and that's wide right, Dominic. I just I couldn't believe it when that kick went up and you hear wide right, and it's like, this is this is movie stuff. Like it's you're watching a movie and you say, "Now that's not realistic." Like that's not gonna like come on. That wouldn't happen in real life. But it did happen to Buffalo. Obviously, there's a heck of a lot that happened beforehand. We'll dissect that. But look, a heartbreaker for the Bills. Uh, as a Dolphins fan, I can't tell you how ecstatic I was. The Bills lost. Uh, right now, I could sit back, relax, and enjoy these games. I was just hoping the Bills wouldn't win once my Dolphins got out. And now I could uh, definitely enjoy watching the games. But uh, great game, Dom. Curious to get your point of view. A lot of interesting plays made in this game that could have changed the the tide of this game. And uh, just like I said, it's always a heavyweight boxing match when these two two teams meet up. And this time was no different. We were treated to a great game. Oh, an amazing game. Like you said, William, when these two teams face each other, you know there's going to be some entertainment. And clearly there was on this evening as well. Kansas City taking it 27 to 24. Pat Mahomes not having an extremely great games, but just doing enough to get the W. 17 for 23, 215 yards, two TDs. Also running for 19 yards. Isaiah Pecco running strong in the past two weeks. Isaiah Pecco has been the guy. 15 carries, 97 yards, 6.5 yards a carry, and one TD. That's the type of running that keeps an offense off the field. And that's what Kansas City did in order to be successful uh, in this football game specifically. And the Unsug Hero Award, I have to say personally, is Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Yes. Only two receptions. But the catches that he made, this is the type of catches that, you know, if you're going to just unfortunately catch five catches in the season, Valdez, if you're going to catch like something stupid like that, make sure you catch them in the playoffs. And yeah, he went only two for four. But when he catches those pass. That is just like there's nobody else in on that team that could have probably ca caught those passes because you need to have Marquez Valdez Scantling skill sets, which is like a play action receiver, a tall receiver, a lanky receiver. Uh, they don't have that, and unfortunately, he's not he's not done a great job at it this year. But they haven't gone to him enough. So to him to show up enough in the playoffs was music to the Kansas City fans' ears for sure. If I compare Valdez Scantling to Stephon Diggs, a guy that is by far way more better than than Valdez Scantling. 
Stefan Diggs did not show up when the big play came in his direction. That beautiful long pass that Josh Allen was supposed to hit, it went through Diggs' fingers. And to me, that was kind of like the turning point where I knew, I'm like, ah, something doesn't feel right with the Buffalo Bills this, this year. This might not be it. And for some odd reason, you can see Kansas City slowly but surely taking over this game, especially in the fourth quarter. They, they scored the last touchdown. So really unfortunate that the Buffalo Bills fans have to see these types of losses week in and week out or year in and year out with regards to the Super Bowl runs. But I blame this loss on Sean McDermott. Why did you have to go make it about Damar Hamlin? He was trying to write a movie script. Oh, Damar Hamlin last year got hurt. I'm going to throw him in on a huge fake punt late in the football game for him to be the difference maker. If the play was a bread and butter play, sure. But why are you trying to make a movie script here? Sean McDermott, shame on you. You made it about something bizarre that wasn't supposed to be about something bizarre. That's just my take. I think that like Buffalo had enough talent to win this football game, even with the defensive injury. But when you have to call a weird play to try to get a one-up, just just seemed off. And Josh Allen, you know, why did you guys go get Laguerre, uh, Leonard Fournette? Why did you guys go get Leonard Fournette if you're only going to keep him in the garage? I thought that you should have saw him a lot more, Leonard Fournette. He could have surprised a lot of people because Josh Allen, again, it became too much about Josh Allen. And yes, he's the X factor. Don't get me wrong, but 12 carries for 72 yards, you know, only 186 yards in the air. It should be, you know, obviously 250 yards in the air for sure for Josh Allen. And if you're, you're spending too much time running you're most likely going to lose the football game in my opinion especially against uh, a huge team like kansas city you gotta make it about your arm but we all know all year long josh allen threw a bunch of weird interceptions and he never was able to get back on the same page with stefan diggs so either stefan diggs has to go or something needs to change big time and quickly in the offensive play calling in buffalo because you need stefan diggs in this football team. I mean, I know he's a diva, but you need him in this football team. You don't need Josh Allen running around. We've said that for how many years now? And now we're coming across the same situation because they just weren't as successful uh, when Josh Allen was passing this year at some point. No, you know what? He's a quarterback. Let him go through the issues of throwing picks. He's a Brett Favre. Brett Favre threw friggin' four picks a game. He threw four touchdowns. Let him just yeah. sling it. You, you want to be a good, successful team? Let him sling it. Stephon Diggs, stop leaving him in the garage. You, you signed a running back that you didn't even use. It's just, it was a horrible game plan for the Buffalo Bills. A downhill game plan. It could have been successful, maybe had the defense been healthy. But when Bernard went out last week, it was all she rode for the Buffalo Bills. They had no more linebackers left, especially against Pecco, who's been just a machine in this playoff. So congratulations to the Kansas City Chiefs. Unfortunately for the Buffalo Bills, you got to look yourself in the mirror next year and say to yourself, if you're going to do it, do it differently and stop making Josh Allen the focal point of this offense. If you're going to do it, at best, do it 50-50, but not two, three times in a row before you get bunched, bounced out of the playoffs, even if it's a wide white, even if it's a guy missing a field goal, because your field goal kicker should not be the, the guy that's going to judge the football game. It should be your offense. And I know he's part of the offense, but you know what I'm talking about. It should be your wide receivers and your running backs and your quarterbacks. Well, yeah, a lot of great stuff there uh, said, Dom. I think that, you know, that you, I talked about before, like plays made in this game in key moments. 
that you know that fake punt was obviously one of them. And that's why I said before they punted. I didn't mind them going for it. Like I didn't. I don't think they necessarily had to punt. But at that point, I wouldn't have taken the ball out of Josh Allen's hands. Right? If you're gonna go for it anyways and not punt the ball. It's fourth and five, right? Go make a play. Get five yards. You know, you have Shakira that's been having a good game. You have Kincaid. You have Diggs, who was invisible the last part of the season, but who's still one of the better receivers in the league. Why not keep it in his hands? But, you know, there's, there's a lot to, to look at in terms of Buffalo right now. And, you know, I'll, I'll get to some key plays afterwards. But, yeah, Diggs, like what happened near the end of the season, right? He We, we talked about when is Diggs going to get going? What's happening? And like you mentioned 21 yards. I uh, was really surprising in that game. And, you know, credit the Chiefs who played well defensively. But, yes, that was a big drop late in the game. And then he had the fumble there. McCole Harmon that fumbled the ball through the end zone. Uh, right after that, they stopped the fake punt. And it was like, oh, my gosh, you know, the Buffalo Bills are going to go in and win this football game. It was just swing after swing and, and mood change and, you know, game-changing play after game-changing play and look Tyler Bass it's tough you know we talked about wide right and you know obviously the former Super Bowl the Buffalo Bills had and, and everything that comes with that but I don't think people are talking about enough that even if the Bills do make that field goal Dominic is are we really betting against Patrick Mahomes not getting into field goal range with a timeout and that much time left on the clock? Like, we're saying Tyler Bass, Tyler Bass, Tyler Bass. It wasn't as if Tyler Bass's kick put the Buffalo Bills up by 10. If Tyler Bass made that field goal, this game would have been tied. And at worst, at worst for Kansas City, this game is going to overtime. But I bet, you know, all the money I have that Patrick Mahomes is going down the football field and getting his team into field goal range. So, you know, I think it's just... Um, it, it's it's too easy and it's laziness by people to blame Tyler Bass. Like, yes, he missed a kick and it was a bad one. And I wouldn't be surprised if he's not there anymore. And he would, could be say that the game fell, fell partly fell on his shoulders. Yes, 100% it did. But Josh Allen had a chance to get a touchdown right late in the game. He had digs on a crossing route. He didn't throw it to him. He threw the post to Shakir, who was open in the end zone. He underthrew it, right? It was a mistake, in my opinion, to... You know, to kind of take the shot early on and uh, early on in that without much time left in the game. But if you do take the shot, hit it. And right, he had Shakir, he, you know, he, he underthrew him. But I mean, to, to put this, you know, loss solely on Bass to me is, uh, it's just people being naive. And I, I don't think that it necessarily is, uh, it, it makes too much sense. Obviously, it was a big part of the game. But, you know, in my opinion, you got to get a touchdown there. If you go down and kick a field goal, that's great. You're losing this game by three points because Kansas City is getting a field goal. And you had Kansas City making plays. And yes, Marcus, Marcus Valdez-Scatling making plays when when they needed to make plays. Uh, Kelsey, two, two touchdowns in this game. I don't know how wide, how he got so wide open on one of his TDs. But uh, yeah, that's, uh, I'm going to continue talking about this game. We're taking our final break, folks. But stay tuned. I still got a little bit more to talk about. Very good game between the Bills and the Chiefs. Uh, ultimately, I think that, you know, in this game, there were a few plays, uh, you know, uh, that changed the game. And, you know, some of them being, like I said, the stop there on that punt. And, you know, Kansas City being aware. I think that, you know, it was, uh, I want to give credit to the Chiefs. You know, we talk about the Bills and, and kind of the questionable play call. But good on the Chiefs. You know, they could have. But I don't think I would have been expecting that, right, if I was Kansas City. And, you know, okay, there's still time left in this game. Buffalo's going to punt the football. So good on them and special teams coordinator Kansas City of being wary and and uh, aware of that and uh, you know Clyde Edwards there too only had two carries in this game one of them going for a TD and he ran the ball with force similar runs to Pacheco they you know running with a purpose and uh, yeah I think that if, if we if we could get this as the AFC championship game uh, every year I think that you know people would be happy with it because uh, we always see good matches between I think we forget that they play each other earlier on in the year and Buffalo won the game in KC and you know it's tough to beat this Kansas City Chiefs team twice so good on Kansas City they're going to be uh, taking 
their season uh, to the Baltimore Ravens, where uh, Baltimore is going to be hosting them favored by three and a half Sunday at three. We'll talk about that. But before we get into our predictions on of the two games that we got, let's talk about some coaching changes in the NFL. Uh, quite a few changes, the most notable one so far uh, being Jim Harbaugh taking his talents away from Michigan after winning a national championship there with the Wolverines. And he is now going to be the head coach of the LA Chargers, Staley Dominic. I know how much you love him, but unfortunately he is out. Uh, he was out quite a little while ago. And it's going to be John Harbaugh, excuse me, Jim Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh taking over as the head coach for the Los Angeles Chargers. Big news there. I thought Harbaugh was going to stay in Michigan, continue kind of that uh, dynasty there. He may have started with Michigan, but no, Jim Harbaugh says, you know, great, good stuff. I'm going to take my talents now and join the NFL and the Chargers. What better time? You just won the national championship. Move on to the NFL. That's what a good coach would do. And Jim Harbaugh is definitely a good coach who's been to the Super Bowl with the San Francisco 49ers. And now he's joining back the Chargers, a team where he used to be QB. You know, a quarterback coach helping out a good quarterback and Justin Herbert might be a recipe for success. I'm kind of mixed emotions with Jim Harbaugh. I'll be honest with you. I've watched his career as a Charger. When I was younger and uh, he was a, a gamer, he never was, you know, a, a big time winner, but he was a gamer. So I expect to to see that transpire in the Los Angeles Chargers locker room, which is a consistent winning recipe. Uh, I do think Justin Herbert is good enough to win the Super Bowl. I just don't know whether or not his uh, gameplay is going to mix with Harbaugh. One thing's for sure, expect for a passing attack in Los Angeles. I do believe that uh, that's not going to change. And that's how I would coach Justin Herbert. Attack, attack, attack in the air. You got the skill set. Let it all, let it be all about you and uh, get yourself a nice, strong north and south running back and do some damage that way. But good hire for the uh, Chargers. Uh, they're bringing Harbaugh. We'll have to see how that mixes well with Justin Herbert. Yeah, I like it too. Look, you know, why not give him a chance there and see what he's able to do uh, in the, you know, back in the in the NFL. And he's he obviously coached a heck of a season there with Michigan. I know that, uh, you know, for me, I thought that Michigan was a good team. I didn't necessarily think they were a team that could win the national championship and take, uh, and I think that he took them over the top, right? Because Michigan's been very relevant over the last few seasons and he finally got the job done there. So he definitely deserves a chance. And, you know, the Chargers after Staley, I don't think that, uh, you know, they'll be uh, <laughs> too, too pressed necessarily to find uh the coach of their dreams i think that you know they've, they've suffered and uh, you know if it doesn't work out i think that you know the fans are a little bit more patient uh, especially after the the years of staley and they gotta think that anything can't be as bad as that so let's talk about the other coaching changes that happened dominic and uh, get your thoughts on, on a few of those yeah brian callahan going to the titans i don't like this william i know that the titans are looking for some offense it depends on what they do at the quarterback situation, but Brian Callahan, offensive coordinator for the Cincinnati Bengals, is heading to Tennessee to try to figure out the Tennessee offense, which was unable to do it with Mike Vrabel. So this is a downgrade, in my opinion. I believe that I expected maybe a call Pete Carroll up, give him one last shot, some a good veteran. I think the Titans going back to a younger coach, I don't like it, William. I see a long-term plan potentially for the Titans. Uh, are they willing to bite the bullet for a few years to be unsuccessful? Maybe. Uh, but no, this is a this smells like a last team in the division type of hire. And we'll see how that one plays out. 
Yeah, I think that one, you know, I'm, I'm up in the air about that one. I think that I, I like the fact that they kind of got an offensive-minded guy because I think right now with Tennessee, they need to get this offense going. Uh, not to talk too, too much about it, but yes, the, whether that's Willie Vi or Ryan Tannehill and, you know, who knows what's going to happen with Derrick Henry. But, you know, I think I'm a little bit more optimistic uh, than you are, Dom. And yeah, then we had a, a few other hirings as well. Yeah, Jared Mayo. Ugh, I don't like this at all. I mean, how do you move on from Bill Belichick, right? But uh, yeah. they bring in an in-house guy to to do what? What is this guy going to do? He's going to be a cheerleader for these guys? I mean, like this is a horrible hire. Another head scratcher that you're going to see probably New England at the cellar for hopefully only one year because maybe he's a one and done kind of coach. That's how I see it. Yeah, for you know, like it's always tough when you go kind of in-house or tough in the sense that. Um, you 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 want to give one of the the guys that you know a shot, and you know I think it may be kind of that you know one year. Let's see what happens, and you know after I think that the pressure is off now, Dom, in terms of not having Belichick, and you know they're kind of in that rebuilding stage. So maybe more about uh, maybe more about just seeing what they have and kind of I don't want to say trial and error because that's not uh, that's not necessarily all that uh, you know polite to uh, to what he can bring to the table. But I'm curious to see, and I'm, I'm I don't mind the in house hiring. Uh, hiring I do really like though, Dominic, probably my favorite one. Antonio Pierce officially now going to be the head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, players loved him, and I thought that he did a great job taking over when he did in the season. And I was worried that you know they were going to try and go somewhere else, look to get you know maybe a quote unquote sexier name. But I think the Raiders did it well. Antonio Pierce back, and I'm very excited for the team. And I'm, I think that the Raiders got it right here. Yeah, Antonio Pierce, I think that the, the Raiders were in a tough position because last time they did the opposite and they fired their interim coach only to bring in someone new that uh, the players didn't like. So fool me once, shame on you. <laughs> fool me twice, shame on me. So I don't think that they wanted to go down that alley. And uh, bringing in Antonio Pierce, he's with the players. The players love him. He seemed to be uh, able to to make, make a short playoff push late in the season. So let's see how it plays out. I'm kind of pumped to see Antonio Pierce. Heads or tails, you flip it, call it. I don't know how this one's going to go. Yeah, this one, I think it'll be a, a good one at least to start off the season and to give the Raiders fans some some much-needed hope heading into the offseason. All right, Dom, let's talk about teams that are in contention to win the Super Bowl. Kansas City Chiefs, Baltimore Ravens. We got Baltimore, the one seed, hosting the playoff game. They are three-and-a-half-point favorites. Man, oh, man, I'm excited for both games. I got to say I'm a slightly more excited for this one. Maybe it's because my Dolphins are in the AFC, and I know these teams are a little bit better. But Kansas City at Baltimore, Dom. Ravens favored by three-and-a-half. Give me what you got. Well, this is going to be a fantastic football game. Uh, I think that Kansas City is going to be dictating how the play flow is going to go. And if that's the case, I think Baltimore is in for a tough one that uh, is most likely heading to overtime, folks. Yes, I think that the Baltimore Ravens and the Kansas City Chiefs match evenly, literally evenly down the middle. I'm going to give the slight edge to Baltimore's offense and a slight edge to Kansas City's defense. Yes, I am going that route. I think the Kansas City Chiefs defense, if they're to win this game, they're going to have to get it via their linebacker cores, via the defensive line, and they need to get to Lamar. The more you pressure Lamar, the more you make him look like the loaf man who's about to fumble the ball. You absolutely need to bring the pressure. As a Steelers fan, I've seen these guys, you know, for the past God knows how many years, but every year I get to see them twice a year. I know to contain Lamar, you got to make him second guess himself a couple times. And that's what Andy Reid most likely will do. I say most likely because 
It's going to be hard for Kansas City as well. Their offense right now has been so lucky to even get to where they're at. So how are they going to beat this Baltimore's defense, which is also a really decent defense? They're going to have to do it with Isaiah Pecco. Isaiah yeah. Pecco up the middle. Isaiah Pecco up the middle. Man, that's going to be a long, long day for Kansas City. It's going to be tough, but I think that they will control the clock. And at the end of the day, William... Yes, Isaiah Pecco will do just enough to soften up that defensive line of Baltimore. And the Kansas City Chiefs are going to win a weird football game in overtime 23-20 to against Baltimore due to the ability of Isaiah Pecco to just run north-south football and weaken that defensive line of the Ravens and make Mahomes actually the guy that plays a secondary role it'll be interesting to see if they do that that's how i would coach this game it'll be up to andy reed to put it together well i like that dom well i gotta say that i also had this game going into overtime and i, I promise i wasn't influenced by you i have it written down i know i can't prove it but i have my overtime score here written love the take there dom and yes i think pacheco could have a, a big game and you know you talk about both defenses man you know Kansas City defense is great, and you're taking them over Baltimore. I'd probably give a slight edge to the Baltimore Ravens defense, but I do think that Kansas City's defense has propelled them to a lot of victories this year, which is something we're not used to seeing. For me in this game, it will come down to the defenses and to the quarterback. It's almost going to be which quarterback blinks first in this game. I could see it coming down late and a turnover being huge and crucial in this game. I think both teams are going to do their good job running the football, uh, especially the Baltimore Ravens. You know, they love to, to run that football. But I do like what I've seen out of Lamar recently in terms of his ability to pass the football off the play action, make reads. And I think he's been more decisive. I think that's what... My biggest knock on him was, you know, accuracy, yes, but also his decision-making and his decisiveness. I think he's been considerably more decisive than he has been at the beginning of his career, and even at the beginning of this year, to be honest. And he's going to have to rely, yes, a lot on Flowers, maybe hopefully a little bit more uh, of Odell. I think Odell's going to have to have two or three big catches in this game if they want to win. I don't think he can afford to be as quiet as he has been if they want to beat Kansas City. And, you know, in terms of Kansas City, look, Mahomes has been very good this year. Uh, he's made, uh, you know, a few more mistakes than we're used to seeing. He had a decent game against Buffalo, not a great game. And, you know, if he's going to throw a ball up for grabs, a uh, 50-50 ball, he better hope it's going to, uh, you know, one of his big guys like Kelsey because this is a ball-hawking safety defense from the Baltimore Ravens. And, you know, if it gets tipped and picked off, I could really see that being as simple as that, changing the, the course of this football game. For me, i got 24-21 Baltimore with Kansas City getting the ball. Two minutes left, they go down the kick of field goal, 24-24. Now, with the cool new overtime rules, uh, you got uh, each team having a chance to possess the football if the first team scores. So I say Baltimore gets the football. Lamar Jackson marches down the field. They get stuffed at the goal line. What does Kansas City then do? They now go on a 99-yard drive, ice the game 30-24 to with a game-running touchdown to, to Travis Kelsey on a 24-yard play-action route, and he blows kisses left and right to Taylor Swift. I'm kind of tired of seeing that, Dom, but I'm just going <laughs> to go out there, and I just have a feeling it's going to be something like that. This Kansas City Chiefs team has been doubted all season long, and I just think they're going to go out, they're going to do it, their demons are going to make a stand on in overtime and they're going to get the ball back for their offense and their offense is going to put the cherry on top and it will be Kansas City heading back to the Super Bowl so we agree on that Tom let's go to Detroit San Francisco now we got about three minutes left 49ers favored by seven are we going to see a rematch of a few years ago between the 49ers and the Chiefs well the San Francisco 49ers are playing the Detroit Lions and I'm telling you right now Detroit is hotter in my opinion than San Francisco agreed 
However, San Francisco, bar none, from top to bottom, are formidable. And I honestly think Debo Samuel's injury could have not come at a worse time. In order for this offense to be successful, there needs to be a wide receiver to take the torch. I saw Braden Ayuk play phenomenal football early in the season, but this guy is not a household name in my opinion. He's he's kind of like a secondary partner, but in this game, he needs to be the driving force because I don't think Debo is 100%. That said, if a- Brandon Ayuk does not play as a number one wide receivers, we could be seeing fireworks on the other side for the Detroit Lions. Yes, that's secondary in the Lions. I've said it for the past three weeks now. I'm absolutely in love with Brian Branch, CJ Gardner-Johnson, and Cameron Sutton, who is an ex-Pittsburgh Steelers. I think the secondary here could withstand a Brandon Ayuk kind of like one-man show San Francisco offense. However, if Debo happens to play strong, San Francisco will win that football game. But guess what? I don't think Debo is playing strong. I think Debo is hurt, and that secondary takes care of Ayuk. And yes, the Detroit oh, Lions, boy. through their secondary, <laughs> will be able to contain the San Francisco passing game. And as a result, Jamar Gibbs will run two touchdowns to the house. Detroit will take this football game 21-17. to Thank you to Jamar Gibbs for two touchdowns, leading your team to the Super Bowl. Wow, I love it, Dominic. I love it. Let me first tell you, of the two games, this was the harder one for me to predict. And let me tell you, Dom, as much as I love the Cinderella story and the Lions and Dan Campbell, I'm predicting a rematch of just a few years ago, the 49ers and the Kansas City Chiefs meeting once again. And you know why, Dom? We got You have Christian McCaffrey. You have George Kittle. You have Ayuk. You have all these household names on defense. But the MVP in this game is going to be Brock Purdy. I think he's heard the noise consistently throughout the course of the season that this team wins in spite of him. You know, Jimmy Garoppolo, they won in spite of Jimmy Garoppolo. The 49ers haven't had a quarterback since who knows when, since the great Joe Montana days, Steve Young days. And they're built with talent and they're lucky that they have a quarterback that could quote-unquote manage the game. And in this game, Brock Purdy will do no such thing. He will not manage the game. He will go out there and he will put the team on his back and he will propel his San Francisco 49ers to victory. They will only score 26 points, like I said, but he's going to have a mistake-free football game. He's going to complete at least 70% of his passes. And I do think it's going to be the Mr. Irrelevant and the San Francisco 49ers meeting up with the Kansas City Chiefs for a rematch of just a few seasons ago. I got Kansas City and San Fran. You got Kansas City and the Lions, Dominic. We'll see what happens next week. All I know is that I'm super excited to sit back and do nothing else on Sunday but put my feet up and watch some great football, folks. That is it. Enjoy the AFC and NFC Championship games. We thank you once again for tuning in. The season is winding down, folks, but don't be sad. That just means the Super Bowl is just around the corner. All right, folks, we'll be back next week. Same place, same time. Thank you for tuning in. You were listening to CJLO, 69 a.m. in Montreal.